listening to From the Friars, the podcast of the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York. May the Lord give you his peace. From the entrance antiphon, the introit for today's Mass, third Sunday of Advent, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Indeed, the Lord is near. That anaphon from Philippians 4.4, St. Paul, is where today's Sunday gets its name, Gaudete Sunday. It's the Latin for rejoice, Gaudete, Gaude, Gaude, right? The Latin version of the O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, uh, rejoice. Um, we have the rose-colored vestments and the lighting of the rose-colored candle and the Advent wreath and uh, a beautiful and wonderful and tremendous day. And believe it or not, if you were to do a word study on the word joy, which is the noun, rejoice, the verb, particularly as that concept is found in the Bible, you would be surprised how much there is there. Um, some of those, uh, like the theological dictionary or some of the lexicon for the, the Bible, um, that word takes on a very profound meaning in the Bible to rejoice, to, to have joy. In Galatians 5, St. Paul calls it a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And, um, and in the Bible, it often is a word that denotes the presence of God and the victory that only God can bring. And uh, you'll see it in all kinds of passages from uh, every part of the Old Testament, this idea of the joy of the Lord, that when God is present and God is victorious, and, it's the, it's, and it also gets connected to the coming of the Messiah and the Savior, this joy that will be there. It's the joy of Moses and the children of Israel when they come through the Red Sea and escape Pharaoh and the army. It's the joy of David who dances before the ark. Um, it's all these passages. And even in the Old Testament, there will begin to see a sense of joy that's eschatological, which means the joy that we will have when we are in heaven. It ends up being the theological word that best describes what does it mean to make it home to heaven. You know, when you pass through the pearly gates, you're there, you're in heaven, you're in God's presence, you're in the communion of the saints, and uh, this word joy um, is uh, profound, it's deep, it's meaningful, and it is the deepest longings of our hearts, you know, to finally be home. What does the Bible say about what heaven will be like? No more sorrow, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more evil, no more tears. You know, it'll be peace, it'll be joy. It's the sense of completion and fulfillment um, that we will have when we are in communion with God. This loving communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in love with one another, uh, this thing that this we are made for, a state of being that comes from the Messiah, the Savior, the um, liberator, the deliverer, um, joy. And so again, 
this uh, word in the Bible has a very deep and profound meaning. And I want to focus on a very special passage of the Bible to kind of break open the meaning of today's feast, this third Sunday of Advent, the Hail Mary. Hail Mary. Now, in English, we say, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Maybe, now I don't want to offend anybody, that may not be the best translation. I'm so sorry. I know there's all this controversy that the Pope is proposing maybe to clean up the translation of the Our Father a little bit, you know, and uh, to make it a little more accurate to what Jesus actually said. So the Hail Mary, that passage in the Gospel of St. Luke that we repeat so many times when we pray the powerful prayer of the rosary, we call to mind this sacred moment when God sends the Archangel Gabriel, his messenger to the little lady in Nazareth, the Virgin Mary. And in the Greek, as you know, just the language that St. Luke wrote the story, he says to her, Kyrie kekeri domine. And we translate that, Hail Mary, full of grace. And uh, you probably already know this. The word kyrie, it's a greeting, so hail, hail. But it, it means rejoice in the Greek. So the angel comes to her and says, rejoice. And he doesn't even say Mary. He actually calls her by a different name. He calls her kekeri domine. Uh, and uh, St. Luke tells us that Mary was wondering, what does this greeting mean? It's like that's an invitation for us to prayerfully ponder these words. So rejoice. So when the angel says to her, rejoice, this greeting, rejoice, it's filled with all kinds of Old Testament allusions, particularly Zephaniah 3 and Zechariah 9, some of those minor prophets in the Old Testament, where uh, there's a prophecy, rejoice, O daughter Zion. You know, the Lord is near, the God is in your presence, this kind of prediction of the coming of the Messiah. So um, this, this word rejoice, um, this breaking in of God and everything that God brings, the victory of God, kaire, you know, rejoice. And then, you know, kekeri tomine is an extremely strange word, which is a perfect past participle. Okay, I'm getting really nerdy right now. I'm sorry. Probably the best translation of that word, although in English we don't quite have the grammar we need to translate that word. It's a mysterious word, but it seems to indicate you who have been fully graced. So it's a grace that was given in the past and it's in you, and it's full and overflowing, this grace. So we know it's the Immaculate Conception, right? Ultimately, when the church clarified the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, it pointed to that passage, this word that almost becomes her name, right? So when she tells Bernadette at Lourdes, Bernadette's like, who are you? Who are you? And Mary's, she doesn't say, I am the one who was immaculately conceived. At Lourdes, Mary tells Bernadette, I am the Immaculate Conception. People were wondering, like, how could she say that? So it's like her identity, this name that God gave her, like she who was completely and totally filled with grace, the new Eve, the new Eve who will bring forth the new Adam who will save us. Um, In Latin, 
it's translated Ave Maria Grazia Plena. And I love the word Ave because um, it is a word of greeting, but it's the reverse of Eve's name, Eva. <laughs> so in the Latin, it's so the depths of, of meaning there, right? That this word of the angel, Ave Maria Grazia Plena, is like we're now rev- the new evil reverse what the old Eve did, you know? Oh, this, this is so amazing, isn't it? Wow, I mean, and the brothers, you all know this, okay. So, so rejoice, Kyrie, that, you know, what we say when we pray the Hail Mary, it's such a powerful prayer. It's a scriptural prayer. It's a recalling of a significant moment in salvation history when God, you know, he comes, Mary says, yes, fiat mihi secundum verbum tuum, let it be done unto me according to your word. She gives her consent and the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, takes on human flesh in her womb, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is the moment, if I could call it this, the spiritual Big Bang, the new creation, um, that uh, this salvation, this redemption, this new creation that will be ours in Jesus. The Hail Mary, Hail Mary full of grace, the Lord is with you. It's like, oh, I love it in Greek. I love it in Latin. I love it in English. What is it in Arabic? In Aramaic, it's shlam lak maryam, right? Like, it's like a greeting of peace, which is very biblical as well. Peace be with you. Now, let's pull it together. Let's pull it together. So if the ultimate meaning of the joy that Jesus gives us, this joy of the victory of God, this joy that will be ours, that will be when we're in heaven and it's all said and done, we're in our homeland. Um, what, what can it mean for us now as we traverse this valley of tears, right? That this, this, we're in exile, we're not at home, okay? We're, we're in this life and in this life we suffer and in this life we have trials and difficulties, you know, as we are on pilgrimage, we're making our way. Um, and uh, the thing that unlocks the mystery for me more than anything is the fact that the body of the risen, victorious, glorified Jesus still has the wounds, right? The body of the risen, victorious, glorified Jesus still has the wounds, right? He appears on Easter and a week later he tells Thomas, put your hands in the, you know, the wounds are still there. In the book of Revelation, there's the vision of the glorified Jesus on the throne of God in heaven. It says that he looked like a lamb who was slain, right? So he still has the wounds. And that says something to us that when we have our trials, when we have our sufferings, when we have the things that we go through, we unite them with Jesus, right? We offer it up, we make sacrifices, we allow the Lord to transform our sorrows that uh, somehow when we are on the other side, somehow when we are uh, in heaven, when we have completed our pilgrimage of life, that our trials, our sufferings, our sorrows will glisten like jewels, right? The the book of Revelation sometimes talks about, 
you know, jewels, these jewels that will sparkle. And I was thinking, um, it's interesting, I was thinking if Jesus said that every hair on your head is counted, I'm sure that every tear that falls from your face will be like a pearl necklace on the other side. If I could put it that way, it's a little bit of a feminine image for the sisters here, okay? But you know, every tear that falls from your face, you know, every, you know, which is symbolic of the sorrows that we have in this life. And when united to Christ, when offered to the Lord in trust and in faith, will somehow be with us on the other side. Somehow it will be part of our testimony for eternity. How God's grace, how God's mercy how God's love was victorious in our life. You know, that victory, that joy, that peace, that fulfillment, you know, says in the book of Isaiah that every tear will be wiped away. And God wipes that tear away. He saves it. He saves it. They are counted. And um, that gives us hope now, huh? That gives us hope. We, you know, that we can persevere. We can carry the cross. We, we can be transformed by the love of Christ, even in our trials and our difficulties and our suffering. And ultimately, that is the meaning of this day. That is the meaning of the joy that is ours. As John the Baptist in his womb of his mother leapt for joy, the presence of Jesus and Mary, kind of like David before the ark, right? Um, That we can have joy even now. That that joy of the eschaton, the joy that will be ours at the end in the victory of heaven, somehow breaks through the clouds like a shaft of sunlight and we can have joy and that joy is our witness that joy is our witness that the love of Jesus makes all the difference even now and uh, so let's pray for that grace the grace to live in the place of joy the joy that comes from Jesus the joy that is the victory that will be ours that breaks through even now and for that we give thanks this day We hope you've enjoyed listening. Please visit us on our website, franciscanfriars.com, or follow us on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans. God bless you.